Oh, man. We, uh, we're glad you're here today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you to uh, the Calvary uh, Baptist Church folks that are with us. You'll see them all down here. They kind of look like they came together. And, uh, but uh, thank you guys for being here this week. They're going to be here. Uh, if you missed Ben saying something about that earlier, uh, they're going to be here this week uh, doing some work kind of here and there and, uh, and everywhere. And, uh, Maplewood uh, subdivision, I know, which is back off Bear Wallow. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I've, I've t- in talks with our sheriff and things like that. I've been, I've been asking very, very pointed questions like, how can we help? What can we do? Like, how can we make, uh, how can we make Cheatham County a better place? You know, what can we do as a church uh, to do our part and what God's leading us to do and all that? And, and, and specifically, I've, I've been, he's told me, you know, if you, if you will go and do things in, in that area, uh, that, that's a need. Uh, just loving on those people and whatnot. So, uh, and they're going to be around Pleasant View and doing other things this week, too. I think even helping with some Uganda stuff and whatnot. So uh, awesome stuff. But thank you guys so much for coming and, and serving us and serving our community uh, on our behalf and stuff, it means it means more than you know. So we're we're glad that you're here. Um, so uh, uh, hopefully Megan is taking good care of y'all. If not, you know, let us know. Sometimes she kind of like she likes to rough it. You know, sometimes you know, like so, you know, if, you know, if she's not feeding you or something. It might be like a test or something. You know, just let us know. We'll get you some food or whatever. So, but uh, no, no. Thank you, Megan, for all your work and and helping make all that happen. Um, I tell you, this, uh, this week, uh, you know, I, I, Aaron's been gone uh, with some of the ladies from church to a women's conference this week. And so uh, I've had the kids, uh, and that's a feat uh, because she's superwoman and I'm not superman. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, t- Thursday, was, uh, was, uh, Thursday was a day, uh, and uh, I, I, my, uh, her aunt had been watching the kids during the day while I was trying to get a bunch of work done. Uh, and I was out in Nashville, and then I uh, had to run the Gallatin also, and my truck broke down. And uh, they had Triumphant Thursdays uh, started this past Thursday night for our kids. Our kids' ministry does this thing during the summer called Triumphant Thursdays. And uh, Dave, who was just down here, Dave does games and you know teaches a lesson and all this stuff. It's awesome stuff. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, of course, like... Rolling, I'm rolling to my house. I'm getting to my house about the time that that's starting, but I'm like committed. I'm going to try to get the kids up here. And so, uh, you know, I get the kids up here and it's late or whatever. But anyway, we roll up and all these kids are out here on the front lawn. And, and I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you, there's a ton of kids. Like there was a ton of kids here Thursday night. And they're all out there playing some, you know, dodgeball game. And it's just Dave. It's just Dave and all these kids. And I, I don't know how many kids, I'm guessing 30, maybe more. Uh, kids or whatever, and they're playing like dodgeball or something, and I'm waiting for one of them to like pull out a wrench, you know, or whatever. And uh, but uh, anyway, they so I know not so. And we come in, we all come inside, and uh, you know, and I've got I got all the kids, so I you know, Cash is hanging with me, and so we kind of uh, jet out and kind of hang out behind the the front desk out here, and uh, in Debbie's chair, and we're like all lean back, and I'm trying to get him to like just chill and lay on me or whatever, and. And, uh, and so then when it comes time for like the kids to leave, like these parents start coming to get their kids. And I just got to tell you, I didn't know who over half of these people were. They're coming to get their kids. And, and I, just, I just tell you that to say, you know, it's just a continuing of like, I'm just watching God work, bringing uh, people to us to minister to, to love on, 
in, in, in you know, it's such, a, such an awesome time in the life of our church. Just some really awesome stuff happening. Uh, Dave Mike could use some hands. I don't know if you got anything going on on Thursday night. You got some time. Love kids too and, you know, whatever. But, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, he, he hasn't asked for that. But, uh, you know, I'll throw that out there because I have a feeling that apparently that's going to continue to grow uh, through the summer with lots of kids and, and whatnot. And that's pretty awesome. So thank you to him and, and uh, all of you that are uh, part of that. But uh, uh, so that was going on this week. Um, and that's going on, I think, every, every week this summer. So make sure you don't miss out on that if you've got kids, young kids. So um, anyway, let's, uh, let's get into this. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to the book of Mark. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, uh, and they would love to bring you one. You can borrow it if you just didn't bring one. Uh, or if you don't own one, we would love for you to keep that one. Uh, and take it with you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. We'd love for you to take that. Uh, and uh, we're going to the book of Mark. We've been going through the book of Mark. Uh, and, uh, and this week, uh, you know, we kind of come up to this uh, passage in chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, uh, which is uh, where we picked up from uh, last week. And this is a passage about, uh, about a guy who's possessed by demons and all this kind of stuff. And, and I just couldn't think of a better, like, you know, thing to talk about on Father's Day than like, you know, some dude that was possessed by demons. Uh, so, uh, no, it's just what's next on the list. But uh, there are some pieces in here that, you know, I think that uh, I think are, are, are great and, and we see Christ's love and different things. We'll talk about some of that stuff uh, as we read through this passage. I think one of the important things to remember about this passage, as we've been teaching through the book of Mark and, you know, leading up to this passage is what happened before it, uh, which we talked about last week. And last week, we saw uh, Jesus and the disciples, and they're in the boat. And if you weren't here, uh, this, is the, this is the passage where uh, they're in the boat. Jesus is taking a nap. He's like hanging out. And there's this great storm that comes, and they're all afraid it's going to kill them. And they wake Jesus up, and they're like, dude, aren't you afraid we're going to die? Aren't you going to do something? And Jesus kind of wakes up, and he's like, oh, we got a storm. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, wind, sea, y'all chill out, and then boom, it's like calm. And then they're more freaked out than they were during the storm because Jesus just like told nature and creation to chill out and be calm. And so you see kind of this beginnings of like the disciples really trying to put together and beginning to understand who Jesus is. You know, and that Jesus is this, you know, Jesus is more than just a guy He's the creator of all creation. And so as we see this, as we see the beginnings of this, and we see what's happening in this passage of Scripture today, we see this, this kind of unfold. Jesus and the disciples have gone across the sea. Remember that? They're going across the sea. Well, this is where it picks up. Like, we're now docking. Okay, we're coming, coming to shore. Jesus steps out of the boat, and this is where we pick up with chapter 5 with Crazy Bob is what I'm calling him today. Okay, Mark chapter 5, go with me. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been found with, bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. So we got this guy. 
Jesus gets off the boat, meets this guy who's coming up to him, and this guy's got some issues. Let's just, let's just start there, okay? God, God coming at him, immediately it says there met him out of the tombs. In other words, this is a guy who lives at the cemetery. Now, I don't know how you feel about cemeteries. Some people get real freaked out by cemeteries. I used to live by one. I've grown up going to funeral homes, being a preacher's kid and all that stuff. You know, I, I'm just kind of used to all of the funeral type stuff. This guy lived at the cemetery, okay? You know, so, I mean, this is, this is where he was. But not only was he living at the cemetery, but he was a man with an unclean spirit, it says. What does that mean, unclean spirit? It's talking about he is possessed by a demon, okay? He's possessed by a demon, in verse 3, and he lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. So it's tell, giving you a little history about this guy, that this is a guy that people had literally tried to chain up. They had put shackles on him. They had put chains on him. They had tried to restrain him, to control him. And none of it could keep him. It says, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And in fact, the Greek word could also mean tame him. They had literally tried to tame this guy, subdue this guy with chains and shackles, and he would break them apart. And, and here's the truth. This is, probably, this is probably, I think, from a little bit of reading stuff I've been doing and studying on this. I mean, chances are the reason why is because he was possessed. And he probably had some sort of extra strength being that he was possessed. This is a mess, okay? Jesus has come off the boat to a guy who is a mess. I mean, he's like an ultimate mess. Verse 5, it goes on, it says, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? So this guy recognizes Jesus. He cries out and calls Jesus by name. He says, you are, you are the most high, you know, son of the most high. I mean, this is, I mean, he, he knows he knows who Jesus is, calls him by his name. How? Why? This guy never met Jesus. This guy never met Jesus. You know, to get, kind of even give you a little bit of an understanding of kind of even a bigger piece of the, of the picture here is that, you know, other side of the sea was a completely different people. Completely different group of folks. This wasn't like, this wasn't like the people that, that Jesus, you know, had been teaching Day in and day out, you know, this kind of thing that we see him teaching the day before. You know, this isn't that people. This is a different people. And he gets over there, he walks out, and the guy immediately recognizes Jesus for who he is. Why is that? I think we're about to see why it is. It's not the guy speaking to him. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. You unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we 
are many. That's not the guy's name. I want you to see, see, see what's going on there. He says, my name is Legion for we, we are many. This guy isn't possessed by one demon. He's possessed by a bunch of demons. And we, we will never know exactly how many demons. But the word legion, and he says, I'm legion. He's saying, we're a bunch. We're not a couple. We're not a few. We're a whole lot. In fact, what we understand, what we know of that word legion was that at that time, the Roman army had what were called legions in the army. They sent out a legion to go fight a battle. That would have been 5,600 to 6,000 men. Now, I'm not saying it's 5,600 or 6,000 demons. It might have been. We know it was a bunch, and we, I'm pretty sure we know it was a whole bunch just due to what, how the story plays out and what we see happening. And Jesus says to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? What is your name? What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And I don't know if it was like in some deep, crazy monster voice and his head is spinning around. We don't have any of that, you know. But I'm imagining it was a pretty, pretty interesting scenario, whatever it was. Verse 10, And he begged him earnestly, he being legion, begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000 2000 pigs, okay? The herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the sea. This is one of the crazier passages of Scripture that we've got. Let's just face it. And, and, and I think to have been a fly on the wall, to have seen all of this and, and, and see the responses of all the people that are around and all of this be, would be very interesting to us. There's a lot of facets to this story. There's a lot of facets of, of even just kind of even seeing and hearing what Jesus is doing here. And, and the demons, the demons are begging. First of all, they're begging, don't torment us. Don't torment us anymore. Please don't, you know, and, and, and so we've, we've got that little piece of it. But then also, we've got the demons also begging, don't send us out of the country. Just, just if you will, just put us in those pigs over there. Like, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll go to the pigs if you'll allow us to go to the pigs. Jesus gives them permission, it says. He gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. This, folks, had to be quite a, quite a sight. Quite a sight. I mean, I don't know when the last time was that you were around a pig. I'm not talking about like little cute baby pigs. I'm talking about pigs. This was a herd. This was a, this was, you know, this was someone who raised pigs this was their livelihood. And, and 2,000 pigs, we couldn't fit 2,000 pigs in this room. 2,000 pigs is a lot of pigs. Them going into the sea and drowning is a whole lot of stinking dead pigs out in the water. 
This is going to create a ruckus, as we like to call it. This is not going to go unnoticed. Imagine being the guy who owns the pigs. Maybe it wasn't even one farmer. Maybe it was several. Maybe they were sharing, you know, that all oh, is your pigs are we're working together and helping each other. We don't know. We don't know the details of any of that. What we do have is where it starts in verse 14. It says, the herdsmen fled. So we know it's more than one. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They were afraid. So again, we're seeing a common denominator with Jesus does amazing things and then people get scared of him. <laughs> I mean, you got, and you've got to think about it. Like, you know, they're like, well, we don't know this guy. If he could do that, is he going to turn on me and turn me into a pumpkin? What's he going to do? Here's what they know. Here's this guy that everybody in town knows. You know, there's, 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 always, there's always a guy. You know, there's always a guy that like everybody knows, where's Crazy Bob? You know? And Crazy Bob, he just does crazy things and he says crazy stuff. And well, we tried to chain him up for a long time, you know, and that didn't work. He kept breaking out of the chain. So how's he doing that? I don't know. He's just crazy. We think he's possessed. He's definitely, you know, there's definitely some kind of unclean something going on in him. And we can't even tame the guy. We can't even hold him in place like keeping from hurting people or doing crazy stuff. And then they come to see the pigs in the water. 2,000 dead pigs in the water. Imagine that. That's going to ruin your favorite sw uh, fishing hole right there for a while. It's going to be a minute. And it says, And they came to Jesus, verse 15, and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Sitting there clothed. Here's what we know from some of the other Gospels in the same account. The other Gospels help us to see that, and, and we pick up a piece of this here, but we know from the other Gospels, this dude wasn't just crazy, naked, and, or crazy and possessed, he was also naked. So like, picture, maybe you don't want to, I don't know, Crazy Bob, you're Jesus, and the disciples, and you pull up to shore, and here comes Crazy Bob, and he's running at you, and you know, you know from the get-go, this dude's got something wrong with him, he's got something living inside of him, he's naked, and he's crazy, okay? And he's just come from the cemetery, and you're like, what up, man, we need to go dock somewhere else. That's, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm the disciples, I'm looking at Jesus going, Jesus, I don't think this is a good idea. Let's just back on out. Let's just go on down. I know no good little seafood place down here at the other dock, you know. And Jesus is like, no, come on, crazy Bob. And in verse 16 it says, And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, 
and they begin to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They're scared to death. They don't know what this guy's going to do on top of the fact that he has just ruined, absolutely economically probably hurt some people who owned some pigs. I mean, they weren't, they weren't running 2,000 pigs because they love pigs. I can just tell you. They were, they were running pigs because that was probably their livelihood. And, and as you can imagine, these people were probably upset. And you'll even see there's, there's people that like want to get at Jesus saying, oh, Jesus doesn't love the animals and all this kind of stuff. I, I, think, that you, I, think, you've got to, I think you've got to see this as a whole. As First of all, Jesus is the creator of all things. And he says specifically, and, and f- all things exist for him. And in this moment, yes, there are 2,000 pigs that die. But there's something that happens, and that's there is a man that is saved. And I really believe that part of this is Jesus showing us how, how much He cares for us, and that we human beings, people, men and women, are His most valued part of creation. That He loves us more than animals. And that animals were created for Him and for us to exist but they are not the end all. It says, And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they begin to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They are afraid of what He's going to do next. They're afraid of how it may hurt people. I'll tell you, there's another piece, there's another piece of the pig loss thing. Okay? That's a weird thing to say. Pig loss. Uh, whatever. So, there's another piece of that, and I think that the other piece of that is this. I think that Jesus is also making a statement, not, not only just like that people are more important than animals, but I think that Jesus is making a statement that no matter at what economic loss, there, that it is always worth saving the human life. That's a big statement today. It's a big statement to make today, you know, where human life is oftentimes not valued. And, and, and we, if we're just real honest with ourselves, sometimes we ourselves don't value human life in the way that God would want us to, and it, He does, that He created us to do that. Um, and, and that may be because we think somebody's not worth it, they've done awful things, um, uh, they have something wrong with them. Hopefully we don't feel that way, but honestly, you know, truth be known, we know that there are people in the world that feel that way, that they're you know, lesser people because they're not as good or they have some kind of need or something. Uh, obviously, we as believers hopefully don't ever feel that way about people. But the truth is, is that our center hearts cause us to compartmentalize people a lot of times and we go, that person's not worth my time. And Jesus is here, and he's making a statement. He's, he's coming off the boat, and he's saying, not only is this guy worth my time, not only the guy who everybody has outcast, and they've sent him out to live in the cemetery, and he's out running around the hills and the mountains and screaming, and he's trying to kill himself, right? He's trying to kill himself. He's trying to cr- commit suicide. We've seen some of that just in the media in this past week. And Jesus sees that guy, and he sees there's a guy worth saving. 
And that's a big statement for us. And I think it's an important statement for us. In verse 17, we'll read this again. It says, And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. So he's, he's looking at Jesus. He's like, dude, I want to go with you. Wherever you go, I want to go with you. And we don't know if he's asking to be a part of like the inner circle or if he's just saying, I just want to tag along or whatever. But he's saying, I want to go with you. And Jesus does something here. It's a little contrary to some of the reactions and responses that we've seen where Jesus healed people in more recent times earlier in the book of Mark. Uh, but he says something here and says, verse 19, it says, and he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Well, that's the opposite of, you know, many of the times we've seen Jesus earlier on in the ministry here. So far, I think we're seeing the switch where Jesus is like, hey, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody what happened. It's too late for that. <laughs> it's, too, it's too late for that. We drowned 2,000 pigs and everybody in town knows about it. Everybody's going to be talking about it. I want you to go back and I want you to tell the world, tell your friends that the reason those pigs died is because the Lord has done this for you. The Lord has set you free. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And it says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis where he lived how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. There's a lot of things that we can decipher from this passage and we don't have time for all of them, but there are a few things that I think are important to just make mention of. And one of those is that, again, this is a different people group. Jesus had gone to the other side of the sea and what he found there was a different people group. We know it's a different people group because they're not Jewish people because they have pigs. Okay? They have pigs. The Jewish people would not have had pigs. In fact, of course, they, they consider them unclean. And not only do they consider them unclean, but like if you were to have touched a pig or eaten you know, pork or something like that, you would have been considered to have needed seven days and go through a cleansing process, seven days of going through a cleansing process before you'd be considered clean again, before we can like hang out and go to the movies again, okay? And so Jesus, you know, he, he's very aware of all this. Also, one of the things that we see, we see with this particular guy, you know, some things that are pretty, I think, understood about him being an unclean person. First of all, when Jesus gets off the boat and this guy's running up to him, looking at him, running to him, he, he sees from the get-go, here's a guy with an unclean spirit. So number one, the guy has an unclean spirit. He's got a demon. Turns out to be a whole bunch of them. Number two, he lived among the tombs. This guy lived among the tombs. So not only is he unclean because he's, got an, because he's possessed with an unclean spirit, but he's literally living at the cemetery. He's living at the tombs. And for the Jewish culture at that time, they had, they had like added on these unclean things. You know, they, they were great at this, especially like the religious zealot type folks at that time. They were adding on like all these other things that would make you unclean. Well, in the, in the list of things that they had was 
Also, that if you touched a dead body, then you were unclean. And again, so you'd be unclean for seven days, had to go through the cleansing process, all that kind of stuff. But, but then they added even more to that, that if you touched anything that touched a dead body, and that, in, that would have included even just being at the cemetery, touching a gravestone, anything like that, you would have been unclean. So this guy's like unclean to the second or third power. Then, on top of that, the area in which this is in, the Decapolis, this was an area that was known for being Gentile people. Well, the Jews didn't have anything to do with the Gentiles. If you don't know about that, I mean, basically, the Jews were as racist as it came. And when you saw a Gentile person, that was an, un, that's an unclean person. You know, why, you know why they thought that? Because they thought, oh, that's a mixed race. They're unclean people. They're not pure like we are. So he's living, <laughs> he's living in an unclean area of people in their most unclean place, the cemetery. And then he is possessed by unclean demons. They're all unclean, by the way. Verse 4, and then uh, the fourth thing is that he's also living near unclean animals, talking about the pigs. I mean, it, it, it's unclean, 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 unclean. I mean, like, this, this is the guy, this is the guy that if you're going to avoid a guy, this is the guy. Crazy, possessed, naked, shouting through the wilderness Bob. That's this guy. And you'd go, no, not, not, not going there. Not going to see Bob today. We're leaving that guy alone. He's broken enough of our chains already. And so, hopefully it makes a little more sense. Like, for us, when we're reading and seeing that the people come to the situation and they hear what happened and they see him and he's sitting there and he's got clothes on and he's in his right mind and they're like, what in the world has happened here? And Bob's like, hey man, this guy Jesus, he, he's the son of God. He's the Lord most high and he just saved my butt today. Like he did what nobody could do. All the demons are gone. They're in the pigs, which are in the sea. You might have noticed them out there. They're floating around. It's a mess. Probably aren't going to be able to do any swimming there anytime soon. This guy might have had one of the worst lives of anybody in Scripture. I mean, if you, you take like a guy like Job, we get to see the account of Job. We only get to see a moment of this guy's life, but we get like this little backstory of history with this guy. First of all, he's possessed by a legion of demons from hell, okay? So number one, strike, okay? Number two, he's forced out of town into living, you know, in a graveyard. Number three, people have been trying to tame him Chaining him up, binding him. Imagine, imagine being possessed and not being able to control yourself, and you know you're crazy, and then people are trying to do that to you. And then when he's finally freed, what he does spend his time doing that we see is that he's literally running around the mountains screaming and trying to kill himself with rocks. 
this guy has got a lot going on. And I think that there's so many people in this world who say things like this. Jesus could never love me because of the things I've done in my life. Jesus, Jesus could never care for me after all the things that I've, I've done against Him. I've run from Him. I've cursed Him. Whatever it is. And, and I'm here today to tell you that part of the reason that we have this passage, I really believe in all my heart, is that God wants us to see His Son, the Lord Most High, walk up to the craziest guy in the world and say, what's your name? What's your name? Because I'm about to change it. They knew you as Legion. They're about to know you by your real name. Crazy Bob. We don't know it, so I gave him one, right? There's an interesting piece of this about the demons that you see if you look in the other Gospels. You find, again, a little more detail. Mark, not always great with the detail. Uh, we have this little piece in Matthew 8, 29. You can see it on the screen. And it's the demons talking to Jesus when he asks what their name is. He says, and it says, and behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come to torment us? We kind of have all that. But then it says, before the time. Before the time. It ends with those three words, before the time. Matthew 8, 29. Before the time. What, what, what in the world? What's he, what's, what, are they, what are they talking about? Before the time? Before what time? Is this back to the future? This is, this is, this is their way of saying to Jesus, we know you're coming for us. Are you here to do damage to us now before the time when we know that you're coming to obliterate us to begin with? Is, that, is there some, are you adding in something extra now that you're going to do to us? Like, please, Jesus, please leave us alone. Please let us go to the pigs. They know that Jesus is most concerned about Crazy Bob's life. And the demons were probably literally going to kill this guy if Jesus didn't intervene. And Jesus knew that. Before the time is a reminder that in the end, Jesus will win. They knew. They knew. And let me tell you what. If the demons knew 2,000 years ago that that's going to happen, don't you think for a second that they forgot. So whatever, whatever struggle, whatever crazy stuff we might come against, we can always be reminded that the truth of the gospel is that they know. They know their days are numbered. They know that they too will bow down at the feet of Jesus and they will worship Him. Romans 8 verse 1 says this. It says, There is therefore no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the Spirit 
of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That is great news for us today. That we can be reminded today that what Christ has done for us, if we put our faith in Him, if we believe in Him, trust in Him to do what He's done for us, that He has made a way that no longer do we have to answer for sin. No longer do we come under death. We will live forever. And it's not because we earned it. It's not because we went to church enough. It's not because we, we, we've been doing enough good things for people. It's because God loved us. God loved us and He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. That His death would take, take the death that we deserve. The death that our sin deserves. That Jesus would replace us. That He paid the ransom. He stood in front of the judge and He said, I'll take theirs. And I'm sure... If you're like me, many days of your life just go, man, I don't deserve that. And if I'm thinking straight, every day of my life, I'd think, I don't deserve that. What Jesus has done for us, He has done also for Himself that He would be made known, that He would be glorified, that people would know who Jesus is. Which in the end of this story is kind of funny because that's exactly what He has Crazy Bob do. Isn't it? What, what happens? Crazy Bob wants to come with Jesus. He's like, I want to come with you, man. You saved my life. And, you know, we've got all these dead pigs here, and I'm not sure if everybody's going to be real happy with me. But Jesus looks at him and he says, what? He says, go home. Go to your friends. Friends? This guy got friends? If he's got friends, they're the people who've been chaining him up. Okay? Let's just face it. Go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. Go and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Go and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Go and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Go and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. I think this is... Honestly, sometimes an overlooked part of this passage. And I think, I think it's so valuable for us to see it. That Christ comes in and He changes lives. And then we, in turn, have an opportunity to go and tell. Go and tell what the Lord has done for you. That we would live to tell the tale of who God is and what God has done in sending Christ for us, that He has changed our lives, that we could go and that we could tell those stories of our lives of who He is and what He's done. You may get in debates with people about doctrine or what you believe and all those kind of things. One of the things that I have noticed in talking with folks is that people rarely argue with you about your story. Because it's yours, it's not theirs. It, they have a hard time arguing with your story if it's your story. And you're telling them firsthand what has happened in your life. I think so often, times, we look back on life and we go, man, I've been through so many hard things. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of done. I just want to time out on life. I've been through so much hard stuff. Let me, let me tell you something. 
Jesus is looking at us just like he looked at this guy. And he's saying, you have lived to tell the story. What story? The story of Jesus changing your life. There's a reason that you're still breathing air. It is for you to tell the story. If we don't tell the story, we're missing it. we got to tell the story. We've got to tell the story of what God has done in our lives to those people that He places in our lives. Well, Chris, you know, who's that? Well, you know, He says friends. How about starting there? And go, well, I don't have any real good friends. Or, you know, my family's kind of crazy. Or, you know, the people I work with, they're going to think I'm crazy. Well, you know, I'm just looking at this scenario and I'm just going, well, I mean, his friends were the people probably chaining him up and put him out of town to live in a cemetery. I think if we're being faithful with that, I think we could just go, man, God's putting people in my life every which way, and some of them already think I'm crazy, and some of them, you know, aren't going to listen to me, but you know what? I should tell my story. I should tell the story of what God has done in my life, and that is exactly, that is exactly what we were created to do. That is exactly what we're supposed to do with the story of God saving us. It's not, not keep it secret, but to tell it, to share it with other people, that other people might be changed because of it. Not because we're great storytellers, but because God is the great Savior of the world. And He has sent His Son to die for us. And through Him, we can find forgiveness of sin, and we get life over death. Why else would we have the story? Why do we have it? It's this reminder for us today that Jesus can save anybody. Anybody going through anything. He can heal. And He does. He heals people of of the craziest of things. What would it look like? Dads? What would it look like if you took up the challenge I'm going to give you today? You ready for it? Here's the challenge. Father's Day 2018. That fathers today, not later this week, not tomorrow, not next week, today. That today, what would happen if we all told our stories to our families? To our kids. If, if, if something happened to you today, heaven forbid, if something happened to you today, would your children know your story of how God saved you? You go, Chris, I'm glad you put that on the dads because I'm not a dad. Well, guess what? It's on all of us. I don't think this guy was a dad. He's just crazy Bob out in the woods naked and, you know, Possessed by some demons. We don't see any kids. We just see Jesus saying, hey, go tell your friends about what the Lord has done for you. Tell them about the mercy. You know, how awesome would it be? How awesome would it be if by the end of today, there were children or friends who were led to believe 
in Christ as their Savior because they heard the story of what happened in our lives. Who's to say God can't use that to do that kind of work? Now, you may be sitting here and you may be going, Chris, I'll just be honest with you. I don't even know if I'm a Christian or I'm pretty sure that I'm not. Well, I'm here to tell you that uh, God would like to wrap that up with you right now. Okay? Like, he'd love, he'd love to do that business with you right now. And he is saying, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. And I don't care how far or crazy or naked or demon-possessed you might be in this life. I have come to heal you from all of it. And Jesus shed his blood that there is not any sin that can't be forgiven. He loves us. He is the ultimate loving Father. And I know for a lot of people, they struggle with even really understanding what that means because maybe they don't have a good dad situation. I'm here to tell you that I've got a great dad situation and God the Father is still something so unbelievably better than even my great dad who loves Jesus and loves me and would do anything for me that even God the Father is still so much more than that. It is something that we need. We need a heavenly Father. You need a Father. I need a Father who loves us and we have one in Him. Share your story today. Share your story today. Find somebody to tell it to today. Get them on the phone. Tell them it's been heavy on your heart. Can you tell them something? Can you share something with them? You, you feel led to share something with them today. Post it. Make a video. Post it on social media. I don't care. Share your story today. What has God done? Tell of what God has done. Tell of His great mercy in your life. Now here's, here's a beautiful piece. I'm going to close with this. Here's a beautiful piece of what I see in the book of Mark and what I see Mark doing. Mark, the book of Mark, we have this account. Of course, may have been written by one of our other guys here. Peter or for Peter or whoever, you know. Uh, the account of Peter or whoever. But Mark, writing this, we have this amazing testimony of the story of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But you see, when Mark writes this, we're pretty sure that it was all written together at one time. So Mark knew the beginning and the end. He's telling, he's telling a story at this point that we know of early in Jesus' ministry, but we also know that at this point, you know, more than likely, Mark is pinning this and he already knew of Jesus' death and resurrection. So Mark paints us this picture. Why do we have it? Why do we have this story? Why do we have it? There's so many moments that we probably don't have where Jesus did amazing things. Why this one? Why do we get this one? Because I think Mark is painting for us a little foreshadowing. I think he's showing us a little something. Here's Jesus coming out of the boat. And he is choosing to love and heal and save a guy who's been outcast, left naked to die in the woods. And later on, Jesus would be that guy. Jesus would be the outcast. Jesus would be put in shackles and chains. He would be led naked to His own death, allowing those people to do that for Him. Jesus is calling us to love everybody. To care for them all. 
No matter what they look like, smell like, talk like, sound like. That that might be a part of our story. That God might use us in the lives of others. That they might know who Jesus really is. God heals of all things. God heals of all things. And even, and even I'll tell you this, be reminded of this, even the sickness that we have in this world, eventually at some point we will be healed from it. If it's not on earth, it will be in the new earth. It will be in the kingdom of God that we will no longer have those things, those burdens. God heals of all things no matter how far away He can heal anyone. You can be so far away from God that you could think God will never want to heal me. He'll never love me. And that's not true. He's making a way for you today. And in the end of it all, He's calling us to take that story which we have lived through to be able to tell it to others that we might go and tell of His love and great mercy. That's the call on our lives today. Who are you going to tell it to? You got somebody on your heart right now. Who are you going to tell it to? Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice that you've made for our lives. We don't deserve it and we know it. We know it, Lord. God, help us. Help us to believe where we don't. Help us to trust where we don't. Help our faith to be strengthened where it needs to be. God, that we could follow you literally through battling the demons of hell. God, lead us to be your people who show Christ in every situation that we can. God, those people that you've laid on our hearts, those people that you've put on our lives, God, I pray that we would be faithful to telling them the tale of our lives and what you've done in us. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to just be a part of the process of allowing you to work through us that others might see you in us. God, save the lost. God, and use us for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen.